the book of Psalm, the 103rd chapter, book of Psalm 103. Brother Dennis, I neglected to tell you, but I put a title slide in the PLC media folder. If you can pull that out and get it ready. I don't know how it slipped my mind, this thing called age. Amen. But it's there and it's ready. Just called the power of testimony. Amen. Psalm chapter 103, beginning in verse 2. The scripture says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I want to preach for just a few moments this evening on this subject, the power of testimony. The power of testimony. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? We love you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the anointing of God. And Lord, as we get ready to go into the Word of God, I'm asking, Lord, you'd open that Word to our hearts and our lives. Let it touch us. Let it change us. Let it impact us, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. And we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Would everybody say amen? Amen. You may be seated. I'll never forget the day. It was Thanksgiving Day. I can't tell you exactly what year, but it was about five years ago. It was the year that Papa passed away. It was 2010. We learned in October of 2010 at my father-in-law's funeral that we were going to get this building, that they had voted to accept our offer and that they were going to sell us this building at the price that we had asked for. And it was by no doubt an absolute miracle. Uh, I know that there's maybe some under the sound of my voice you don't know that story, but it is a tremendous story. And if I took the time to tell it tonight, I, I wouldn't have time to preach what it is that God's laid on my heart to preach. But but they, the, the price of this building was way far out of our reach. And, and we made an offer that absolutely embarrassed the people trying to sell the building. And and over the course of time, we, we felt like God gave us a place where we needed to be. And we went there and we stood there and they turned our offer down and they walked away. They found another buyer, Brother Donnie, and they had another buyer lined up and his financing fell through. And the day his financing fell through, they called us and said, will you still give us the price that we had told them that we would give them? And, and we said, absolutely. We got a letter from the bank that day before lunch, got the letter to them, got an offer and acceptance signed. By lunch, the other buyer had his money but it was too late. We had already signed an offer and acceptance, which led to the business meeting, which led to the vote, which led to us being told at the funeral home that we had won the vote and they were going to sell the building to us at, at a reduced cost to what the other guy had to give them for the building. Thanksgiving Day, we had closed out this sale just, just prior to Thanksgiving Day. And Thanksgiving Day 2010, my family and I were on our way to my parents' house for our Thanksgiving dinner with the family. And we didn't have any money in a bank account. We didn't have building fund. We didn't have any resources. If you had walked into this building as it was then, there was green carpet on the floors, green pew coverings on the pews, green wind glass in the windows, uh, walnut paneling throughout. Uh, none of the beautiful fixtures and trim and, and things that you see in here right now were here. It was, it was very much a child of the 70s stuck in the 70s. And we wanted so badly to be able to remodel it and bring it up to date and make it look nice before we moved into it. And so on that Thanksgiving day, my family and I, we pulled into the parking lot of this church. And it was just the four of us in the car. And recognizing that we had absolutely no resources, we prayed a simple prayer together. And this is what we prayed. We said, Lord Jesus, this is your church. This 
belongs to you. And God, you have worked a miracle and you put it in our hands, but we don't have the money that we need to 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 put things in order, to make it the way that it needs to be, to, to get things so that we can move in. We need an absolute miracle. That day, before within hours, before the day was finished, I was handed a $2,000 check. Said I don't want, I, the, the donor told me I don't want to be anybody know where this come from. I just want you to know that we want to help you with your building project. And before the, before the next, from, from that Thanksgiving to February, we spent $20,000 remodeling this auditorium and we never borrowed a dime. We never knew, sometimes we didn't know where it was coming from. But when it was finished, it was finished. And there wasn't any money when we started and there wasn't any money when we got left, when we got done. But in the middle of it all, God provided exactly what we needed. He made a way when there seemed to be no way. That's my story, amen? That's my testimony of the grace of God, of the provision of God, of how he works in ways that don't seem to make sense, of how he moves in places that I could never anticipate, how he does what I would never expect him to do. That's the power of my God. Everybody has a testimony. Several testimonies. Praise God. Everybody has a story that tells the tale of how God saved you, how he healed your body, how he met your need, how he delivered you from some desperate situation. The wonderful thing about testimonies is that they are uniquely yours. Your testimony is not like anyone else's. Amen. Nobody can tell your story the way you can. Amen. You might can tell the story of how God brought this church to us and how we were able to remodel it, but you can't tell it the way I can. Amen. You won't tell it the way I can because you didn't experience it the same way I did, and your testimony is going to be based on your experience. One of the most frustrating things for an investigator is to try to reconstruct a series of events through the stories of the individuals who were first-hand participants in the events. Have you ever read one of those real-life battle books where they tell the story of some battle that was fought on some battlefield somewhere? And there are all of the men who survived have told their stories. But the author, if he's honest with you, will tell you at certain points uh, in the story, there's some conflict now on when this exactly happened. So-and-so says it happened this way at this time, and somebody else says it happened this way. And and there may be half a dozen different accounts of how the events unfolded because every person has a slightly different version of the story. Amen? The way one person perceived it is altogether different from the way another person perceived it. And I'm here to tell you one is no more right than the other. It's just the uniqueness of the story. It's the uniqueness of your personal experience, your personal testimony. Amen. That's the way it is with your testimony. Several of us may experience the same miracle. We were all there, are several people in this room that were with us through that four-month period where God provided and God blessed and, and God moved in an incredible way and he provided a need and we all shared in that need and every one of us shared in that miracle that took place. But every one of us is going to have a slightly different version of the story of how that happened. Amen. If you ask my wife to tell the story, I'm sure she'll tell it just a little different from the way I tell it. If you get Brother Ryan to tell the story, I'm sure he'll tell it a little different from the way I tell it. Amen. If you get Brother Anderson to tell the story, his, his perspective is going to be a little different than my perspective. We're all telling the same story, though. Amen. But it impacts each of us differently. We each see it from a different angle. And though we give God all the credit, what he give him credit for, what we say that he did may be slightly different to each of us because what he did impacted me a little different than it impacted Brother Anderson or Brother Ryan or my wife or somebody else who was a part of this. That's okay. Because your testimony is yours. 
It is unique to you. It was formed in your unique experience as God ministered to you personally. And it, it doesn't matter that you may not tell it the same way that I would tell it. What matters is that you tell it. Uh, what matters is that you don't forget what God has done for you. That you take the time to share the story of what God has done in your life. The psalmist admonishes us in my text that uh, we are not to forget what God has done for us. Don't ever forget, he says, that he forgave you of your iniquities. Uh, amen. Some of us need to remember where he brought us from. Uh, some of us need to remember what it was like uh, before the Lord got a hold of our life. Uh, you need to remember how he delivered you from your sins. Uh, you need to remember how he brought you from the brink of destruction. You need to remember how desperate you were, how your life was falling apart, uh, and how grace reached out a hand uh, and lifted you out of a miry clay and set your feet on a solid rock uh, to stay. Don't ever forget it. That's your testimony. Don't ever forget that he healed you of your diseases. Don't ever lose that story of how you were sick unto death, of how there was no hope, uh, of how you had nowhere else to turn. Uh, but in the hour of your desperation, you called on the Lord and he healed your body. Amen. Don't ever forget the story of how you laid your hand uh, on a fevered brow and spoke the precious name of Jesus uh, and returned only moments later to discover that the fever had broken, that the healer had stepped in, that God had made a way when there seemed to be no way. Don't ever forget uh, what it felt like to call out to the Lord uh, in your hour of need and realize uh, that not only did he hear your cry, but he answered your prayer. Hallelujah. Don't forget that he delivered you from your hardship and that crisis moment when your whole world was falling apart and that moment when nothing, when it seemed like that nothing short of complete destruction was about to befall you, that everything in your world was about to tumble apart, but you prayed uh, and by some miracle, God stepped in. Uh, that whenever it seemed like everything was against you, when all the logic and reasoning was against you, when it seemed like there was no escape. Uh, the only recourse you had uh, was to call on the name uh, of Jesus. Uh, and when you prayed, uh, amen, the impossible happened. Uh, when you prayed, uh, the utterly unexpected took place uh, and God stepped in uh, and made a way where there seemed to be no way. Don't forget the relief of that heavy burden that was lifted from you and the blessed peace that flooded your life when God moved in your life. Don't forget that he crowned you with loving kindness and tender mercies and that he satisfied your mouth with good things. And whatever you do, don't forget the benefits of the Lord. Don't forget the testimony of what he has done. As I sat last Sunday afternoon at Sister George's funeral, I was struck by a common theme that was repeated throughout the service. As her various grandchildren and even her pastor began to tell the stories about Sister George, they would inevitably tell how that Sister George shared with them the same stories over and over and over and over again. They, they, if one person said it, every person that stepped behind the microphone made some kind of reference to some place where Sister George would say, have I told you about the time? And, and before they could speak up and say, yeah, Granny, you, you told us again and again and again. Uh, but before they could get that out, she'd be off to the races uh, and she'd be telling a familiar story of God and his great power, of how God provided, of how God delivered, of how God healed, of how God worked a miracle. That's exactly 
what the psalmist was talking about when he said, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not his benefits. He was saying, tell the story. Uh, tell it over and over and over again. Tell it until they get tired of hearing it and then tell it some more. Uh, tell it until you know it by heart and then tell it again. Uh, tell it until everybody has heard the story because whatever you do, don't forget the testimony. Don't forget the story of what what God has done in your life. The most frequent word for testimony in the Old Testament is a Hebrew word that is derived from a root that means to repeat or to do it again. The connotation of a testimony in the Hebrew sense of the word is to tell the story again and again and again and again. And then to do it all over again. The repetition of the blessings of God. That constant revisiting of the themes of deliverance and healing and provision and salvation and blessing. Those were the means uh, by which the soul was made uh, to remember the goodness of the Lord. The power of testimony is that it serves as a reminder of what God has done. It serves as a reminder of the great power of God working on our behalf. As often as we tell the tale, as often as we revisit the story, we are encouraged in our own faith. We are reminded of what God has done for us. We're reminded that there's a God that loves us, a God who watches over us, a God who provides for us, a God who has blessed us abundantly over and over and over and over and over again. And somewhere along the way, we're going to find ourselves in a place where it seems there is no where to turn and there is no resource and there, there's nothing else we can do and we're at the end of the rope and in that moment it's going to matter that we remember, amen, I've been here before uh, and God brought me through. Uh, I've stood in this place before. I've been in a place where everything was used up, where everything was broken, where I didn't know where I was going to turn uh, and the Lord, uh, He is my deliverer. Uh, the Lord, He is my provider. Have you heard the story? of what God has done for me. There's another meaning to the term. While it carries the connotation of repetition, it also carries another kernel of truth. As we tell the story of what God has done, we are reminded that what He has done before, He can do again. The power of testimony is that it makes the power of God real and fresh in our hearts and in our minds. It reminds us of what God can do when we hear what God has done. Our faith is compelled to believe in what God can do. By hearing the stories of miracle healings, we are reminded that our disease doesn't have to be the end of the story. When we hear about the deliverance of the Lord, how He made a way when there seemed to be no way, we are reminded that our current dilemma is just a passing moment uh, and that the God that provides for us uh, is going to take care of us. Uh, amen. The same God that made a way for somebody else. Uh, when we hear their story, we are encouraged. Uh, if He'll do it for them, He'll do it for me. If he'll do it for you, he'll do it for me. If you do it in your life, uh, he'll do it in my life. When we hear the telling of the wonderful provision of God, it serves notice to us that times may be lean, the finances may be tight, uh, but God has never failed to provide uh, for his own. He's never failed to take care of his church. The power of testimony is that it imparts faith. When some precious saint of God begins to tell the story of the deliverance of God, it's as if God is doing again what he has done before. And all of a sudden, we realize that if he did it for them, he'll do it for us. That's why the psalmist declared, whatever you do, don't forget the testimony. Don't forget the story of what God has done. One might even go so far as to say that when we fail to remember what God has done, 
we limit the ability of God to work in our current situation. Psalm 78, I'm going to read three verses beginning in verse 40, says this. How often did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited God. How did they limit God? Verse 42 tells us they remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. The children of Israel in the wilderness, the Bible said it, they grieved God and they limited his ability to work on their behalf simply because they did not remember his power. They didn't remember the miracles that God worked uh, in delivering them from Egypt. Can you imagine those foolish children of Israel when they arrive at that first spring uh, and it's bitter instead of sweet? Uh, can you imagine the attitude that begins to gripe and murmur and complain and say, Moses, have you brought us to the wilderness to die? How can they forget uh, that God parted the Red Sea and they walked across uh, on dry ground? How can they forget that he turned the river Nile to blood uh, that he brought Egypt to her knees how can they forget that the waves of the Red Sea buried Pharaoh's army and if God did all of that Hallelujah. bitter water is not a problem Hallelujah. if God did all of that amen but the Bible said they didn't remember they forgot they quit considering they quit contemplating the blessings of God and what God had done for them. Amen. They, they forgot the mighty hand of God that had worked on their behalf. And because they forgot, they didn't have any faith. Because they forgot, they didn't believe. Amen. They had forgotten what he could do. So they couldn't find the resource to believe in what they needed him to do. The psalmist is telling us that if we neglect the word of testimony, if we fail to tell the story, we rob ourselves of the demonstration of the power of God because God operates on faith. And our faith suffers when the stories of God's deliverance are not told. Our faith suffers when we don't hear the story of what God has done. But the converse has to be true, too. If we share the story, if we take the time to testify, if we take the time to tell what God has done, then we stand to gain the incredible demonstration of the power of God in our lives. We stand to be in a place where our faith will be elevated. That's the power of testimony. It builds faith, uh, and it looses the hand of God to work. Uh, that's the power of sharing the story. It lifts us up uh, to the place that we can believe again that God can do what he said he would do. Amen. One of my favorite testimonies in Scripture is found in John chapter 9. There we find a blind man who was healed by Jesus on the Sabbath day. The Pharisees called him in before him them to, to, to explain his healing. And his response was both simple and profound. He said to them, one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. I don't understand anything else. You can ask me who he is, whether or not he's the Messiah. You can ask me all those questions. I don't have an answer for you. I don't know if this Jesus is the Christ or not. But this one thing I know, I was blind and now I see. I was blind and he touched me and I'll never be the same again. I was blind and one day Jesus walked into my life and I'm not blind anymore. Amen. That's the power of testimony. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to be able to explain it. You don't have to be a preacher to share it. Once you've experienced the power of God, there's power in just the telling of the story. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was bound, but I've been delivered. Amen. My life was a wreck, but he stepped in and straightened it out.
My body was broken. My heart was broken. My life was in shambles. But Jesus Christ, uh, he changed everything. You don't have to be a preacher to tell that kind of story. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher. You don't have to be a worship leader. You don't have to be a praise singer. You don't have to be the musician. Uh, Amen. The very least among us uh, has a story of the power of God that you can tell. And the power of your story is that it loses faith. And where faith is, there's the miracle power of God that's turned loose. Amen. The power of your story, amen, is that it turns loose the hand of God to work on our behalf. I'm telling you tonight, what we need more than anything else, we need that that communal experience of sharing the story. There's something incredible about sharing your story. When there was no way, he made a way. When there was no hope, he gave me hope. When there was nowhere to turn, when there were no resources to draw from, when I didn't know what I was going to do, when I had no other hope, amen, he sent ravens to feed me. He opened up the water rock and made it bring forth water. When there was no money, he put money in a fish's mouth. When there was no food, he multiplied the fishes and the loaves. And if he did it before, you better believe that he can do it again. One of the things that we've lost over the years is the dynamic power of testimony service. There are a lot of reasons why we moved slowly away from testimony service over the years. Some of them are valid. But I'm afraid that we don't recognize what we've lost. You see, there's something special about those old testimony nights when some aged saint of God would begin to tell the tales of Brush Arbor meetings and how the power of God fell right there in the sawdust. How that God delivered and how that God healed. You know, I just believe, Brother Anderson, some of the reason we don't see some of the miracles that they recorded in early Pentecost is because we quit telling those stories. We quit building that faith. We quit quit sharing what God does and what God has done. And we've allowed the attitude of a skeptic to creep into the church. We've let the attitude of, well, you know, I've never seen God do that. I've never heard of God doing that. We've let that kind of attitude rob us of the faith that comes from the power of a testimony. Amen. When some precious saint of God would share how God lifted them out of the moment of despair and delivered them from the trouble that had almost overwhelmed their soul. There was something about hearing those stories that caused the power of God to become real again. When they told the story, it was as if God was doing it all over again. When they began to share that story of the grace of God and the power of God, there's something dynamic about the atmosphere of faith that causes the soul to begin to reach out and lay a hold again of the promises of God. If he did it before, he'll do it again. Something about that environment of a testimony service that loses faith and takes the limits off of God. You see, you can hear a preacher tell the story of David and Goliath all day long. But whenever some sister gets up and begins to tell the story of what God did in her life, all of a sudden it becomes real. We can put David and Goliath on a pedestal somewhere. And we can convince ourselves that, well, it happened then, but it doesn't happen anymore. But when old sister Stella starts to tell how that she was weak and she was not, she was in despair and her body was broken, but she cried and called on the name of Jesus and instantly he stepped in and he delivered her and he brought a healing touch. Amen. There's something that gets stirred up in the spirit. Amen. And somebody over here begins to 
to believe if he can do it for her over there, then he can do it for me over here. Amen. When some brother begins to tell, amen, we didn't have any money in the bank. We didn't know where we were going to turn. We didn't know what we were going to do. We just laid it all out on the table and said, God, here it is. It's yours. Uh, And the next day when I walked to the mailbox, uh, I don't know where it came from. I don't know who sent it. Uh, It was an anonymous letter. No return address. But there was the amount that we needed. When you begin to hear that kind of story, it begins to stir something up in your heart. You know, I can believe that God did it for David, but that doesn't mean I can believe that God did it for me. But when I hear that God did it for Randy, all of a sudden I start to believe, if God will do it for Randy, maybe God will do it for me. I sat with a man just a few weeks ago. I told him, I said, Brother Martin, I need just to follow you around and listen. Because every story he told was a story of miraculous provision. He he talked about how that the church there in Tulsa, Oklahoma was growing and God was blessing. And how they needed a church van. And how one day he got a a call from the Ford dealership. And they said, Brother Martin, there's a brand new van down here. And it's got your name on it. You need to come pick it up. And he said, you know, I I didn't order a van. No, you you don't understand, Brother Martin. There's a van here. You need to come get it. No, I I didn't order a van. Finally, he gave up and said, hey, go down there and straighten it out. When he got there, there was a title to a van. Had the church's name on it. And keys and and, and bill of sale paid in full. They handed him a brand new 12 passenger van. (laughs) Said the donor just wants to remain anonymous. Doesn't want anybody to know who he is. He said, I said, if God's going to give us a van, we're going to put it to use. And we started filling that van up every Sunday. And we started bringing van loads to church every Sunday. Over and over again, we filled that van up. He said, you know what happened the next year? The same month rolled around the next year. And I got a call from the dealership and said, Brother Martin, you need to come down here and pick up another van. Uh, And he said, I went down to the dealership and they gave me another 12-passenger van. Uh, He said, I I prayed about it. I thanked the Lord. We began working another bus route. He said, then a year went by. And then another year went by. He said, I... I figured that was all finished and done. But he said three years later, I got another phone call. uh, And the same man uh, had donated another van. This time, uh, it was a 15-passenger deluxe version. Amen. Paid in full. uh, Amen. When you begin to work for God, God begins to work for you. When you begin to do the work of God, God begins to take care of you. I can't explain it. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know how those kind of miracles get turned loose. But when God shows up. Amen. There's no limit to what he can do. There's power and testimony. As I listened to Brother Martin tell his story, amen, I told him, I said, Brother Martin, I need you to bring one of them vans. I need to sleep in that thing, amen, because I need to absorb this into my spirit. I need to believe in a God, amen, that shows up unexpectedly, that does what I would never imagine, that turns loose his power on my behalf, amen. I need to believe in a God that still works miracles in a day whenever so many people don't even believe in God. Amen. There was something powerful in testimony service. Something about the environment of a testimony service that just builds up faith. After being around Brother Martin for just a few hours, Brother Randy, I believe God can do anything. Amen. I'm ready to start a bus route with my bicycle and just see what God will do with it. With that in mind... We're getting ready to make testimony night a regular part of our monthly schedule. This is how it's going to work. Starting August the 14th, the second Sunday of our August reset, and then following on the second Sunday night of every month, we're going to have testimony night. This is how it's going to work. We're going to ask five people to testify on August the 14th. We'll come to you give you a a good week's notice. You'll know ahead of time that you're testifying. You'll have time to think about the story you want to tell. But whenever you get behind the the microphone on testimony night, amen, when we get to that portion of the service that would normally be the preaching, we're going to turn it over to testimonies.
And we want you to tell the story. Not about how the devil beats you up. Not about how the whole world's crashing in. Amen. We hear enough of that stuff on the news and at work and everywhere else. We don't want to hear about how grandpa committed an affair on grandma. We don't need no more of that business. We do want to hear what God has done in your life. We want to hear about the deliverance of God. We want to hear about the mercy of God. We want to hear about the grace of God. We want to hear a message, a story that will build our faith. Oh, Brother McCall, I don't know if I can. Every person under the sound of my voice has a story. And there's power in your story. So we're going to start sharing that story. Because I believe there's something dynamic that happens when people of faith begin to share the story of what God has done. Listen, you've got a story, and your story is powerful. Amen. And what's going to happen when you begin to testify is that you're going to feel the power of God as as he works the same miracle of deliverance or healing or salvation that he worked before all over again in your life. It's going to be, as the Hebrew word said, as if he was doing it again uh, and again and again and again. uh, And as you tell the story, amen, you're going to be encouraged in your own faith. Every time I tell the story of how God provided the finances so we could be in this room tonight. Every time I tell the story, it stirs up my faith to believe uh, that he can do it again. Uh, But that's not all that's going to happen. You see, as you tell your story, your brothers and sisters in the Lord, when they hear your story, their faith is going to be increased. Amen. They're going to realize that if God would do it for you, and you're not the pastor, and you're not the worship leader, and you're not a Sunday school teacher, you're not some big shot somewhere, and as God does it for you, uh, they're going to realize that if he'll work on your behalf, uh, he'll work on their behalf. Uh, Amen. As you share the story of your miracle, somebody else is going to begin to believe that God will work a miracle in their life. Amen. I'm going to tell you what I expect. I expect that testimony night is going to become one of the most powerful services we have every single month. People are going to be healed in testimony service. People are going to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in testimony service. People are going to be blessed in testimony service. Amen. People are going to see miracles happen in their life in testimony service. Uh, Because when you remember the power of God, it builds your faith and it loses victory into your life. I'm going to read one more passage of Scripture before I'm finished tonight. Revelation chapter 12 Verse 11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, John, looking through the lens of prophecy, sees the church in its epic struggle with the devil. And he declares, They overcame him, they were victorious. They overcame. They won the battle. And they done it by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now I want to tell you I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. It is the source of our victory. We're made more than conquerors. We're made more than overcomers because of the power of the blood. There's tremendous power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. There's wonderful victory in the blood of Jesus Christ. There's hope in the blood. There's healing in the blood. We're made overcomers by the blood. If you ask me where my victory comes from, it comes from the blood of Jesus. Uh, If you ask me where my joy comes from, it's the joy of my salvation and it comes from the blood of Jesus. Uh, If you ask me where my peace comes from, it's the contentment of knowing that my sins uh, are washed away uh, and it comes uh, from the blood of Jesus. Uh, The old songwriter said, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. We have victory because of the blood. And the blood alone is enough reason to shout. 
The blood alone is enough reason to rejoice. The blood alone is enough basis to break out and have church a little while. But the scripture doesn't stop there. The word says uh, they overcame him uh, by the blood of the lamb uh, and by the word of their testimony. I want you to understand that and in this case, and is a conjunction that joins two whole thoughts together. And in this case, the, the linking of those thoughts brings the concept, brings about the, the, the understanding that the overcoming that John is talking about is void without both parts being in place. They didn't just overcome by the blood. And they didn't just overcome by the word of their testimony. These aren't two separate independent elements of the story. They work together. We overcome both by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And I come to tell somebody in this place, when you're in the middle of your struggle and you're in the middle of your battle and you're up against your enemy and you don't know what you're going to do and you don't know where you're going to turn, the most powerful weapon in your arsenal is your testimony. Before David ever launches a stone at Goliath, he stands on that battlefield and he recounts the story. Not for Goliath's benefit, not for the army's benefit, not for the king's benefit, but for David's benefit, uh, David begins to tell. Uh, amen. When that old Goliath says, uh, you're just a little boy, uh, I'm about to slay you and feed you to the beast of the field. Uh, David said, I know something uh, about beast of the field. Uh, I remember when I was keeping my daddy's sheep uh, and a lion came in uh, and stole the sheep uh, and he said, I got that lion by the beard uh, and I slew by the power of God and I remember a bear let me tell you about the beast of the field I, I remember a bear that came in uh, and tried to take daddy's lamb uh, amen and I withstood that bear and I conquered it uh, amen and I'm going to tell you something uh, you stinking Philistine dog he said uh, amen if God will give me a lion and God will give me a bear God will give me a giant the testimony wasn't for the giant's benefit. The testimony wasn't for the army's benefit. The testimony was for David's benefit. There's power in your testimony. It's the greatest weapon you have in your arsenal. Amen. Whenever the enemy rises up against you, whenever everything is falling apart, when we testify, of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for us. Uh, right in the middle of our trying circumstance, uh, we demonstrate to the devil that we are not defeated, uh, that we are made overcomers uh, by the blood of the lamb uh, and by the word of our testimony. Let me show you how that works. When Paul and Silas were locked up in chains after having been brutally beaten for preaching the gospel, the Bible said they began to sing in the midnight hour. Why did they begin to sing? Because even though they were in chains on the outside, they were free on the inside. The blood of Jesus had set them free. And that's a freedom that chains can't take away. No prison bar can rob me of the freedom that the blood of Jesus has given to me. And so they began to sing, and their song testified of the liberty that God had already given them. It was the sound of a song rising up from a prison cell that declared, you may put chains on my body, but you can't chain my soul. Uh, you may put chains on my body, but you can't hold back my faith. Uh, you may put chains on my body, but you can't rob me of my testimony. I once was lost, uh, but now I'm found. Uh, I once was blind, uh, but now I see. Uh, amen. I once was bound, uh, but now I I am delivered. Amen. Their circumstances denied it. 
The evidence was against it. But the blood said that they were free. And so they began to testify of the goodness of God in the words of a song. I wish I knew what they sung. I wish I could tell you the words of the song. I don't know what song they sung, but that's okay. I don't have to know the words of the song because I know they were singing of the goodness of God. I know they were singing of the power of God. I know they were singing of the great grace of God. And the song doesn't matter. What matters is the testimony that it produces. Amen. You may think I'm bound, but I'm not bound. I'm free indeed because he who the Son has set free is free. When they began to sing, the prison walls began to shake. When they began to sing, the earthquake, listen, that mighty earthquake was loosed by the power of a testimony. Your victory is attached to the word of your testimony. When you worship God, uh, whenever you magnify Him, whenever you declare your liberty, when you recognize that the circumstances uh, in my life don't have to limit my worship, uh, they don't have to limit my testimony, uh, amen, I may not have anything going for me, but I've got a God uh, who is behind me, and my Bible said if He is for me, there's none that can stand against me. When you begin to praise him, no matter what's going on, you turn loose the victory in your life. We're made overcomers by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. When you start to praise God, you give testimony to the spiritual reality of your life. When you begin to bless God, you testify to his goodness in your life. Uh, and your testimony becomes the very thing that brings you to victory. Uh, it becomes the very thing that looses the power of God in your situation. When you open your mouth and declare, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Uh, I remember when he delivered me. I remember when he brought me through. There's power in the word of your testimony. When you look around at your circumstance and declare, I will bless the Lord at all times, uh, in every circumstance, uh, in every situation. Uh, no matter what happens, uh, I will bless the Lord uh, at all times uh, because he's never failed me yet. Your testimony looses the overcoming power of God in your life when you throw back your head and declare, thank God for the blood. Thank God that he covered my sins. Thank God that he washed away all of my iniquity. There's deliverance in the word of your testimony. There's freedom from sin's bondage in your testimony. Amen. When you begin to lift him up and you begin to testify of his goodness, amen, it breaks the hold of the enemy on your life and we're made overcomers by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony working together everybody has a testimony what has he done for you what is your story what is the testimony that you can tell he healed you when you were sick he delivered you when you were bound he worked an impossible miracle for you that only you understand he done what you never imagined could be done. I want you to think about your story. Because we're going to give you an opportunity to tell it. If you're like me, you've got a whole storehouse of stories. I could testify every testimony night and never repeat the same story. And then again, I may be like Sister George. I may tell the same one every time. It's okay. There's power in my story. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what church is for. Church isn't just a place where we can come together and get a guy in the pulpit screaming hollering, and try to spit on us. Amen. It's a place where we're encouraged by the word of testimony. The preacher's not trying to get you wet with the overspray. He's trying his best to convince you of the glory of God and the ability of God to heal and to deliver and to loose you. This is a place for testimony. 
It's time we brought it back. Amen. It's time we introduced again what it means to have a testimony service. So by way of closing, I'm going to ask my wife to come. I did give her just a few minutes ahead up. I just asked her to testify tonight. Brother Ryan, if you come to the music, would you stand with me? There's power in the word of your testimony. I guess I get the job of saying five more minutes. Can you give me five more minutes? But if you think back with me to 1979, I was a seven-year-old little girl. And this is why I think kids' ministry is such a huge part of what I like to do. is because I remember a Sunday that my Sunday school teacher had me to read the Bible verse. And at seven years old, you know, you're just reading by yourself and still sounding out some of the words. And it was Acts 2.38, and that they got baptized in Jesus' name. And then that night, our evangelist preached, and he preached on Acts 2.38, getting baptized in Jesus' name. So I went up to Pastor Harris, but Brother Harris is what we called him, and I said, Pastor Harris, or Brother Harris, I got to be baptized. I got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Seven years old. And so then I got baptized, felt a little better about everything. But the Lord just kept on tugging at my heart. And so in 1981, when I was nine years old, it was kind of like a beautiful, sunshiny day out there. And when we were driving to church, we looked at how beautiful the clouds were, how beautiful the sunshine was. And when we got to church, a lot of folks were just standing out in the parking lot talking about how gorgeous the sky was. And back then, there was a song that says, this could be the cloud he's coming back on. Well, they got to singing that outside in the parking lot. And this little nine-year-old heart got to looking at that cloud going, Oh, Jesus, if you come on that cloud, I got baptized in Jesus' name, but, but I've never spoken tongues, and I want the Holy Ghost. And I remember running as fast as I could before church started into the auditorium, and I got my uncle's attention, and I said, Brother Harris, Brother Harris, i got to have the Holy Ghost. And so he hollered for everybody to come around, and he said, before we do anything tonight, this young lady wants the Holy Ghost. And I raised my hands, and this girl that likes to be in control of everything all of a sudden didn't have any control. And I spoke in tongues as the Holy Ghost gave utterance through me. Woo! And I feel it right now. I know that I know that I got the Holy Ghost. And I always used to think it was funny when my daddy would say, well, you don't have to take it from me. I'm just a good old cotton-picking country boy. Well, I never picked cotton, but I slopped them hogs. And you can take it from me. I'm just an old country girl. And I have slopped a few hogs. But I felt the power of the Holy Ghost as it come through me. And then when you're growing up and your daddy has to go off and work in Texas and you're home with mama all by yourself. Because that daddy, when he's there, it don't matter if a tornado's coming. You're not scared of anything. But when he's off in Texas and it's just you and mama and little sister and you hear the thunder and you see the lightning and even grandma says, I think that might be a funnel cloud. Stella, we better get these girls in the basement. All of a sudden that heart's racing. Oh my goodness, it's really coming this time and mama's just grabs you in her arms and she starts singing this song Jesus Jesus there's just something about that name and your fear starts seeping away and you start feeling the power of that name and you realize that there's a heavenly father that's going to be with you no matter what comes and no matter what storm comes he's going to be there so 
well then you know the story I've told this one before I'll tell it again just like sister George old Rockland came along and when he was six days old he had to have hernia surgery and it was hard for this mama and a nurse to give her baby up to anesthesia and a surgeon's knife but we did it at six days we did it at a month on the other side they said it wasn't there but my goodness if it didn't come and we had to do it and then at 18 months old he developed microplasmic pneumonia coughed so hard he busted both the hernias back out and we did it again for the third time so how can you have two hernias and have three surgeries well ask Rockland anyway then we did tubes in the ears tubes out of the ears tubes back in the ears got good practice staying in that waiting room because what scripture do we know they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength so how many times did I go down to Arkansas Children's Hospital and lift some weights in that chapel six times before that one came along six times that chapel had me in there going Jesus I give you my baby I give him back to you Lord do whatever you want if he don't make it out of surgery God he's yours I give him back to you let him breathe if he's going to live for you but God if not you can have him I built that muscle up so when that one was born and they said you can't even leave St. Bernard's until you rush down to Arkansas Children's I knew right where the chapel was and so whenever granny was crying and all the other ones were shaking this lady had a muscle already built up and I said no crying he's not gonna die we're not having a funeral I'm going to the chapel and I got a hold of this man's hand and I said get me there that's after having that baby not getting to wait around and people put frags on my head or give me ice to have cuz I just had the baby 12 hours before and I went down there to that chapel found my same pew second from the front knelt down and whoosh I felt Jesus and I knew that I knew I was going to bring that baby home oh you don't know the power Jesus Jesus there's just something about that name and now last little story because boy do I have a storeroom you start learning that Jesus cares about everything everything he cares about them big surgeries but he cares about every little detail in your life and I like to tell the Sunday school kids he knows how many boogers come out when you blew your nose you got to get God that real you got to get God that real to you and so when these two little boys were about probably turning five maybe four and six ish they had a service we pledged we gave to missions I was only working two days a week we weren't quite back to our peanut butter crackers and ramen noodle diet that we were on when we first got married but we were getting close and so we didn't have a lot of money and what little bit we had he promised to missions and then you know there was mother's memorial and whoo I made that decision I was given to mother's memorial and at the church yard sale, that was the Mother's Memorial yard sale, where I made my $100, we found a blue mongoose bike that was for sale. 20 bucks. Rockland loved it, and we decided, hey, it's almost July. We could get that for his birthday. Then all we'd have to do is come up with Harrison one, because, of course, these little darlings had to both be born in July. And so, you know, and you don't have really two pennies to rub together. And that was a good deal to get that bicycle. And it was blue. And guess what? Rockland's favorite color was blue. Now, a couple days went by and it was getting close. Time for the party. And a couple of things had come up and we were out of money. And I thought, what am I going to do? And I prayed about it. The same day I prayed about it, the phone rang. Sister Tanya, hey, Angie, I heard you talking about getting rock on that bicycle. And my grandson has outgrown his bike that I've had here at the house. I think he's rode it three times. 
It's cute. It looks brand new. If you want it, I'm going to give that to you. Oh, Sister Tanya, that's wonderful. I'll take it. Just bring it by. She brings it over. And when that trunk lid popped up, she could have pulled out a yellow bicycle. She could have pulled out a pink bicycle. She could have pulled out any color through the rainbow, another blue one. But guess what? Rockland's favorite color was blue, but Harrison's favorite color was red. And when she popped that trunk and got a hold of that little tricycle with the little, or bicycle with the training wheels and the little things, uh, the little streamers hanging down on the handles, the little basket and the horn on it and everything, that thing was the shiniest red you ever saw. And I couldn't help it. I started just shouting on my front porch and I said, Tanya, you don't understand that's a red bicycle. And that's exactly what he wanted. I'm just telling you, you can't tell me. I already know that I know that the Lord is in control. And one more thing, like I always say, I know where my soul is going to go. Amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. This is what I want to ask you to do. Amen. You've got a story. We can't take the time tonight to tell the stories. We're going to do that. But I want to ask you to come and gather around an altar together. There's an atmosphere of faith in this house right now. If God cares what color the bicycle is, there's nothing going on in your life he doesn't care about. I mean, come on, my friend. If he knows what color the bicycle needs to be, he knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what you're up against. I want to ask you not to come and fall on your face in an altar, but I'm going to ask you to come and lift your hands in worship, and let's just mag- let's testify for a minute uh, just between you and God. Uh, would you tell him how good he is? Uh, would you tell him how powerful he is? Uh, would you tell him how my... When you get a little built up in your faith, uh, why don't you start telling your enemy how big your God is? Uh, why don't you start telling your problem uh, what a miracle worker your God is? Uh, why don't you begin to declare the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God? Uh, there's power right now in the word of your testimony. <laughs>